0: Some people you introduce, but it's shorter to have them introduce themselves because the biography is so long, it's going to take way too much time, and that's the boring part. So I'm going to introduce you to a man that you speak to in capital letters. His name is Helmut Mayer. He's all the way from Stellenbosch. Helmut, how are you doing? Hello, Janine. I'm very
1: well. Yourself?
0: (laughs) Thank you very much. You You see, (laughs) I'm not going to do all this. You're going to do this. You're going to introduce yourself, but... But we'll get to the you personally just now. Do me that Biog one, the one that says producer, extraordinaire, all of those. You know, (laughs) the long title.
1: Ooh, goodness. Um, This is always awkward. Janine, I am a, shall I say, a born and bred music producer because I had no fighting chance. I grew up in a a home where both my parents were performing musicians and they had a music school in, in our house. So I... I actually resisted their uh, lead for, for almost too long and ended up studying science after school, but, uh, but, but hung out in the conservatorium day and night. And eventually there was a very clever professor who actually invited me to study music after I finished my degree in science. And since the first year I studied music, that was now early 2000s, I began a record label under the name Merchant Records, which eventually became Louis Britz's music uh, company. Merchant music and then I went solo for a while till about twenty fifteen under Helmut Meyer music. And now I'm in a film scoring company, turning into a film company with Lucas De Beer called Stone Bearer Mayer.
0: Okay, but you and left a- out the beauty of Hebrew and all of that. Oh I need to
1: <laughs> <laughs> Okay, yeah, so yeah, music is uh, music is in my veins, but actually I have this curious other interest that I love writing. I used to live in Israel in 2014, and I actually wrote a blog with only 12 entries, and that year it got almost 300,000 hits. And then some of my friends actually asked me why don't you why don't you consider writing? Okay, so anyway, so I recently wrote a book with the name Fractal. Which is Kind of an auto bio, but also an introduction to the ancient Hebrew language, which I started studying in 2008, living in London. So I I've been uh, I've been dipping my toes in a in a very strange, very foreign language for 13 years now, and um, yeah, so I'm am a little bit torn between the music and the writing, or the music and the studies rather. And
0: uh, <laughs> okay, but I am curious. Isn't it hard for someone like you to have a normal? everyday conversation with anyone. I mean, between the science and the fascination with higher degree kind of languages and music. And uh, I've listened to your stuff. Everything is, is this vroegmusik, man. I mean, you think, I'm sure you think yourself into a corner every now and again.
1: Oh, my word. I, the, the, I think prior to this year, I haven't actually thought of myself as a thinker. But I'm, I'm, no I'm realizing that I'm trapped in my mind, actually. Um, I do love expressing emotions, as in an emotive fashion, not necessarily speaking about my own emotions. But I realize that I'm, I'm landlocked in my own head, so <laughs> I tend to overthink everything. And I, and uh, so the only I think I guess the only way for to come out is is through expressing it in music or writing or actually speaking about it. So yeah, it is a little bit tricky to hold conversation with. The mundane. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Sorry for you, but you'll have to speak to me for the next two minutes. <laughs> no, no, no. I don't consider you as mundane. No, you so know you what? I always, I always wonder because obviously the Word of God and you love the Word of God, but it's yeah. it's this most amazing supernatural thing that you can be as intellectual as you want to, you can think on it as much as you want to, or you can do the child route, you know, and go as simple as you want to, and have just as much of a beautiful experience in the same Bible. Yeah. But Christianity Absolutely. is the enigma on its own because it takes that word and every person. Makes it alive for himself, you know. God has got this unique experience between Himself yeah. and the Word, and your experience of it called Christianity. Doesn't this yeah. thing that you need to think it over so much sometimes? Do you tend to take it too far, or do you tend to have to stop yourself and and accept that there is stuff that's that you know that's more simple than you think it is?
1: I, oh, I I believe you're touching on an Achilles uh, heel for me here. I used to, and then actually I, I mourn the, the the fact that I've moved away from a simple faith to nobody's credit. But then again, I've also realized that this is my functional contribution to the body. I am gifted with an ability to ask the difficult questions. Mm. And, um, you know, I think when I discovered the ancient Hebrew language, although the ancient Hebrew language is in a number of ways, much more simple and much more concrete than the than what I would like to um, call our abstract faith, I think Christianity is completely abstract. To be fair, mm. I mean we talk about concepts in the Christian faith, you know, ranging from truth, righteousness. In, you know, it's lists of words, but we never stop to calibrate and, and, and check if we mean the same thing. So, uh, in a in a sense, yes, I overthink things and I intellectualize things, but in 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 a, in a in another way, it's become more simple to me because the ancient Hebrew language doesn't allow you to, to philosophize over concepts. For example, I call it, you can call anything, take the word peace in English. What does peace mean? Well, it depends on where you live and it depends if you have a gun against your head, yeah. you know, but in Hebrew peace, Shalom, um, means something very specific. It means I wish you to be cut free from the authority that binds you to chaos. So, you know, it's it, it's four little pictures, and it means concrete things. So everybody that uses the word shalom knows exactly what they – but you and I don't necessarily know if we mean the same thing when we use the word truth. You know, we think we do, but we don't. We don't stop to say, hey, what's your definition? <laughs> so I, I believe this is my small contribution as a functional member of, of the body of Christ is that I need to – Overthink some things, and hopefully I can simplify some of. And those. I mean, God made
0: you that way. He he he's not daunted by the fact that someone is asking the difficult questions. He wants someone to ask those questions; otherwise, he wouldn't have made you that way. But I do wonder. I, I trust, I trust. No, I I do wonder whether you are content to end up at a place where you don't understand. You know, there's some stuff, sorry for us, that his ways are higher than our ways, and people are irritated with that answer, especially if you're the kind of thinker, you know, who who, who needs to have the control of a final answer, which you're not going to get in quite a few things with Christianity.
1: No, for sure. Actually, um, since my journey with the ancient Hebrew world and consequently with the nation of Israel started. um, I don't always know if I want to call myself a Christian, to be fair. I would like to call myself a follower of Christ that I'm very sure about, but having roamed the streets of Jerusalem for so many years now, um, the idea that you're a Christian is not good news there. Christians, um, because they are professing one thing, but actually in effect, it's very, uh, very much Divided. I mean, I think the stats is something like fifty thousand Christian denominations. It's a problem. You know, it's not a problem for us because we hang out with a club that we associate best with, and this is our normal. But you know, for the outside world, they look at us and they go, "Okay, so you follow a God, or you trust in a God that unites you to Him, but He can't even unite His own people." That's the kind of narrative out there. Yeah. <laughs> so Christianity, to me, is a difficult religion in that, is that exactly this. It's it's super abstract. We think we're believing like children, but we don't. We actually group and flock to people (laughs) that think more or less the same as us. Even, you know, within Christianity. So, yeah, anyway, you, you're opening a can of worms here.
0: No, 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 it's true, and I'm <laughs> going to open another one for you as well. Because because you're in the art world, um, you are exposed to much and, a, and a, a wide variety of opinions and all roads lead to Rome kind of uh, mm, philosophies mm-mm. out there. And, and that truth is a relative thing, that one person, what you believe is your truth, um, where the word says Jesus is the only way and the truth and the life. Yeah. Which doesn't give us the luxury of accommodating any other kind of faith that doesn't get to the same conclusion. Um, So, has your perception of what I believe in, the Word of God, this is separate from I see myself as a Christian, whatever other people think of Christians. Christianity is between you and God, actually. So, so has the finality of your truth between you and God been established through all of those years where it's been challenged because of where you're at it? And what you're exposed to
1: Wow, um, this is a very good question a- actually over the I would say over the last decade, uh, you know especially in music circles, matters have transpired that I um, work mostly with Christians, and this is not something i 've chosen. I think this is just the, the, the whole work word of mouth model um, here in the Cape, um, we are only a handful of Christian music producers, um, so i don 't necessarily. Attract people that has a completely different view on God, and uh, and with that I mean not believing that 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 Jesus is the only way to the Father. But yes, Mike, here's the thing I would answer. Sometimes I want to ask believers who profess Christ, which Jesus are you talking about? Mm-hmm. Because within church circles, I very often find that we're very happy to fabricate a Christ that looks like us. You know the famous saying by Richard Rohr "In the beginning." Uh, God made man in His image, and then man decided to return the favor. Yeah, you know, um, yeah. uh, so and that, that that holds very true for me in my perception. If you if I hear people speak, a lot of people speak about Christ, speak about Messiah in terms of what they want. You know, there's a Jewish saying. It's actually in the oral Torah. It's not in even in in the in the scriptures. It says. The world was created for the sake of the Messiah. And I love that because Mm. that is kind of a focus shift away from God is all about us. Because there is a little bit of that undertone in Christianity. So I would say I don't get a lot of people questioning whether Jesus is the answer. But what I do find is a lot of people speak about Jesus as if he's really made in their image.
0: But what (laughs) I'm wondering is between you and God now. Because you have been confronted with all of these different opinions. And yes, in Christianity, we've got the whole variety of that as well. But between you and God, has this now been made out that you knowing everything that you've known, having been challenged in all the different ways you've been challenged and having thought it through? Have you gotten to the conclusion that this Jesus that you know, the Messiah, is true and that there is no other truth?
1: Yeah. Yeah, I would very strongly underline this. In my journey with the Hebrew philosophy, or let me say with the Hebrew language, my discovery of a biblical Christ had been much more reinforced than the days prior to that. I was always, I remember, a, my, my late father was not a believer, he was an atheist. So I grew up in a house where my mom was a Pentecostal believer and my dad was a um. Some, somewhere between an agnostic and, a, and an atheist. And I sometimes feel that's the greatest gift that's left me because I needed to make a choice not based on the family that I grew up in. You know, I had to make a choice based on what I felt was the truth. And so I always had a pull towards God as a child. But I remember later years when I started going to church, there was always something that didn't feel the right to me. It always felt to me. I needed to drill deeper to get to be, uh, kind of a bedrock.
0: Yeah, exactly. It was, uh, it,
1: everything felt uh, extremely philosophical to me in Christianity. And I think I found my niche, and, and also you know, with that came um, the idea that this is my contribution. When I started digging to the bottom, and for me, the, my perception of a biblical Christ has, has, has gone to the point that it's, it's way past the point of no return. And
0: was there like a catalytic moment, a a specific moment that the bit of information or the experience that you were going through at that stage was the final cherry on the cake that convinced you, okay, fine, I can now relax in the fullness of this knowledge?
1: Absolutely. I will tell you my first year of studying Hebrew led me towards the Jewish side and, 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 and I became really darkened. And I remember my first visit to Israel. It was a solo trip uh, when it was 2009. And I've really become exactly what the Bible said, you know, how knowledge puffs you up. I remember walking around in the city of Tiberias It's in the north near the lake of Galilee. And there were two German Christian girls coming from the front. And I remember a like a pivotal moment when... I looked at these two, and the love of Christ was so radiant from their eyes. And in that moment, I realized I've I've I've, I've become dead. This this wow. journey into Israel and the Jewish faith actually is, was starting to kill me. So there was a turning point for me—not away from that journey, but realizing the idea of of studying ancient Hebrew wasn't to become Jewish per se. Although you know. I fully give all credit to the fact that Jesus was a Jew and the fact that Israel is a nation that I really, really love um, for me, that was the beginning of seeking out a biblical christ and I, soon after that, I read a book by the name of um, with the title I think it was Jesus the Messiah in the hebrew bible that 's right father u j Puntiac it was a Roman Catholic father. If anybody listened to this interview, I can highly recommend it 's a doctoral study basically about the life of Christ as it is hidden in the Old Testament. And for me, that was the turning point that basically the entire ancient narrative, the entire Old Testament is laying a foundation for the revelation of Christ. You know, Jesus doesn't rock up in Matthew. By the time he rocks up, he's already established in the Hebrew vernacular. And very often in, in the Christian faith, we start by telling people about Jesus, but he's He's contextless. He's without a family. He's without a name. He's without, he's without anything. He's, a, he's this universal cosmic Christ. Whereas if you start in the Old Testament and you start discovering how he's weaved into the text, by the time he rocks up in the New Testament, so to speak, you know, there's a, there's, a, there's a backbone to his life. And that, for me, is what the ancient Hebrew and that journey has done.
0: Well, I'm not surprised that you read a doctoral study, you know, ah. just, just for there, just. Go read a doctoral study. That, it never crossed my mind ever. I'm just throwing that out there. But <laughs> so, so, so was this before or after you had your whole coronary heart disease? No,
1: this was all way before. I, I, this whole coronary artery story was only the last five years, last four years, no, five years now. Oof,
0: okay, so old tell old. us what happened.
1: <clears throat> so, in uh, I lived in Israel in 2014, amazing year. We just roamed the country and ran around and. Swam in oceans and backpacked and everything, and it was amazing. I lost twelve kilograms, <laughs> for what it's worth, and uh, got back. and Shortly after I was back, my uh, I was working on Ratif Burgers album. Actually, at the time, my dad passed away. It wasn't suddenly; we were, we were expecting that. But so I took another year out, um, living kind of between Otsuorn and Stellenbosch and. I remember one day I jumped on my bicycle, cycled to Oatshorn, went to visit my mum, and then I injured myself, and so I couldn't really do exercise for a couple of weeks. And when I got when I kind of recovered from there, there was a this was a weird pain on my chest. And anyway, long story short, a, a, a freak accident. I hit my head against a electricity box, cut it open, was chased to a hospital. And there was an old lady, a pathologist, who came to me and said, Have you ever had your cholesterol tested? And I said, Yes, not recently. It was kind of on the high side. She said, You're in trouble. I can just see in your blood you're in trouble. Anyhow, w- within five days I was in I was in hospital. And they had my fir- I had my first um, angiogram, put two stents in me, didn't resolve the pain. Six months later, back for a second op and that actually took away the pain. And then I think four more years passed by. And I, that was in 2019. I was living in, uh, Europe for a short stint, working in the Netherlands and then went to the Faroe Islands for holiday. And there the pain came back. And anyway, so I had a third, uh, a third angiogram in August, 2019. And then the doctor sat me down and said, you're going to have to stop making music for a living. Basically you are, um, a, uh, Clear example of a person with a broken heart. Yeah, anyway, so since 2019, I've stopped uh, selling my, my time for music. Interestingly enough, I still make music every day, but now on different terms. <laughs> and in the mean, Yo. <laughs> yeah. Yo. yeah, so I, I th- yeah, this is a very weird twist in the tale, but. Um, changed my life. I went for a full genetic uh, um, screening, so I did. I went to test all my genes, and le- literally every single test they did on me pointed that I was going to get coronary artery disease. So I had a, a complete lifestyle change, complete on, on, in every degree, and now I believe I'm the healthiest I've ever been.
0: You're so, eating healthily and everything now. No sugar. I'm eating no.
1: completely Mediterranean. No, literally no sugar. Completely Mediterranean. Eat fatty fish, hummus. Uh, yeah. No, no refined carbs. Jam. Ja, I feel amazing.
0: Dat is een voorbeeld vir die nazi ouwe. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but you feel so good, don't
1: you? I'm not you? bragging, I'm just saying that sometimes with a second chance comes a little bit of a you know, a shift in responsibility.
0: <laughs> no, it's true, it's true. Well, it's inspired you in many ways. We're gonna to get to the song last. First, fractal a tale of three interventions. I expect nothing less from you than a name like that one. Why did you want to read the why did you want to write the book? Did it help you to understand what you went through or what?
1: I I, I wouldn't somewhat say God said that my my respect for his um, esteem is is too high. But what I would want to say is the day that I drove back from the hospital on the 2nd of August 2019, I clearly discerned that I needed to tell my story. Because, I mean, two weeks prior to that, the doctor said, uh, good news, bad news. You're going to live bad news is you're not going to stay alive from making music. And, I mean, it's like being a doctor and somebody say you have to stop being a doctor. No, I'm not comparing making music to being a doctor. But I'm saying, this is all I knew. All I knew how to pay my bills was to make music, although I hated most of it. Um, and and then, you know, I was driving home from the hospital and friends of mine said I could, could stay over to them. And I remember as I was driving, I already had the um, table of contents popping up in my mind. And literally there I sat down. And I thought it was going to be like a two-week or three-week stint to write a book, took me 17 months with (laughs) a lockdown, being literally locked up in a mountain cabin for five months. Yeah,
0: but you are Helmut. (laughs) I I don't expect anything less, sorry. Not you, not Helmut.
1: (laughs) No, stop it. (laughs) No, so the the title fractal um, was the only English word I could come up with that means two things. Um, I... The, the, the telling of my own story was not because I believe my story is important enough to tell. It's it's literally that I, I realized that we fall apart because of patterns. And, you know, the habits that we form over the, over the years of our lives, they, uh, some habits are good, but most people have habits that are not healthy. You know, so in a sense, I'm telling some of the habits that I've discovered was core to my story. For example, I was in love with a woman. That wasn't completely um, heterosexual. Okay. And that relationship lasted for almost two decades of my life. I was so broken by the time I walked away from that. I addressed topics like money, God, uh, love, um, loneliness, liminality. In, in other words, belonging nowhere, you know, all the way from my, from growing up in a family where half my, or, you know, my one parent was a believer and the other not. So fractal covers patterns that I think a lot of people would actually um, associate with, if I may. And on the other end, the introduction to the Hebrew language also introduces patterns and circles, repetitions by which I think God offers healing and Mm -hmm. offers an invitation to return to him. So fractal is a mathematical pattern. um, And I believe that fractal is the best title for the truth of all of us. You know, mm. we fall apart because of patterns. And God invites us back um, on, on his terms, also through patterns.
0: Then so, the song. Yeah. So here a doctor tells you no more music, Helmut Mayer, and I get it for a brand new song. <laughs> so how is that for a Paradox of
1: <laughs> the, yeah. yeah, No, no, just for clarity. I mean, I I I'm, I'm, I'm now make more music than ever. For the first, <laughs> time, first time in my life, I make music that I want to make. You must remember, I just wanted to state it very clearly. It's very glamorous to be a music producer from the outside. but It's no fun inside. (laughs) On the inside, you're married to your job. You go to bed every single night with other people's dreams, and you have to wake up every single morning and kill your own dream. Yeah. Because I didn't start – I didn't become a record producer because I wanted to make other people's music. I was just a normal singer-songwriter that wanted to perform. And, yes, one could argue I just wasn't that, and I had – the gift of helping other people. And when I opened my eyes one morning, I was steeped in debt, landlocked in this p- career where every, every other person's dreams mattered more than mine. So now I'm not saying I've gone completely the other side, but I am um, making music. I'm making the music that I believe I need to put out now. So.
0: Because that's why God makes you, you. The way you are put together and with the music that's inside of you, I love this Mm -hmm. thing that a person is unique and that God was so intentional when he made that bit of uniqueness and that he doesn't – he's God. He just doesn't make it twice. So you've got something to say in a very specific way that has to be said and And yes it's uh, for a season God does use you to do at someone else's dreams, but there is a fullness yeah, of time, sure. and that means that fullness of time means what you have to say needs to be released now. so tell me about sync
1: yes yeah, uh, sync was written in twenty nineteen just prior to leaving for europe was, I, I actually remember the date it was the nineteenth of may twenty nineteen I was living not far from where I live now in a in a in a farmhouse where we, where Lucas and I had a very cool Studio and I had my mother's Steinway upright in the studio. It was really cool. But I remember that morning I realized I was about to fly to the Netherlands for a seven-week production. And the money I was going to be paid for this was already spent. So I was on zero with a seven-week trip in Europe ahead. And I just had this inkling that I am literally sinking. And, I mean, I have a commitment. You know, I have to go now. And, (laughs) And so I sat down and I wrote this Little Trierer song on a piano. And I, mean, I this, the other morning, early in June, I was just scanning through some of my voice notes, and I came across it, and I thought, Yo, you know, this lyric is literally what the world needs now. And and I, and then I decided let's just make make a song out of it. And and I what I remember from the eighties is the music always made you feel good, regardless of what the content was, regardless yeah. of what yeah. the lyric was. You know, it was innocent. It was. Uh, um, yeah, it was without responsibility. What's the right English word for it, you know? And so I decided, no, look, Aha uh-huh is one of my favorite bands from the 80s. I'm just going to make a little 80s track in the in the vein of The weekend and Sia and David Guetta. And anyway, so Sink is literally giving lyrics to so many people's experience. It's not trying to sugarcoat it with a Bible verse. I'm not trying to preach. I'm just trying to say I'm sinking because this is what most people feel. Um, and when I when I played the song to Alicia, um, her first reaction was, you're giving lyrics, you're giving words to my situation. Let me put it out for you. And uh, <laughs> yeah, so it's, I just literally made the song because I was feeling I'm thinking, you know, now in COVID and with a number of, you know, th- things. And, yeah, and you you won't believe how many people contacted me after the release of Sunk and told me, thank you, this is exactly what I needed because this is how I feel but I don't have the words to articulate that. And um yeah, my mum was super upset with me, as you can imagine. She said, you can't be a Christian and tell the world that you're sinking. How does that reflect on you? And I go like, but what does it matter if I say I'm sinking? Like, I'm not saying I'm drowning. <laughs>
0: She must just go read Psalm 119. You weren't the only one. <laughs> <And> David was thinking <laughs> no, think, every now and again.
1: <laughs> oh my goodness! All of the Bible characters were sinking it from time to time. And I mean, it's take a guy like John the Baptist at the end of his life. I mean, he's the he's the forerunner for Jesus. At the end of his life, he sends his disciples to Jesus and you to ask him if he's the one. You know, how's that for sinking? Yeah,
0: exactly, <laughs> exactly.
1: Yeah. But but somehow we, we're groomed to believe when we're, we're not allowed to be that honest. You have to you know it's 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 more noble to say you believe when actually the truth is you feel like you're sinking. And um yeah, so that's the that's the story behind sink. It's we don't want to sugarcoat our experiences with some other spiritual little source. Sometimes we need to say that we're sinking. That's it. And this is what sink is doing.